yeah, like I am deep, deep, deep in the process of editing my um, episode on Taiwanese dramas. And yeah, so I started following Venice Wu from Meteor Garden on Instagram. <laughs> and he posts like one billion times a day. And it's all very um, just like California bro. Just like extreme <laughs> California bro. I feel like that's an aesthetic that pretty much all guys in like Asia want to embody for some reason. I don't. I don't get it. Like growing up with that culture, I'm like, oh, really? Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because one of the um, the LA boys. I don't know if you remember them, but uh, he's just like a chiropractor or something. No, he's an orthopedic surgeon in like orange county now and um yeah i dug up some you know like as i was like looking up gossip on them and they had some pictures of his wedding and stuff and it was just like just like california bro aesthetic it's pretty great (laughs) (laughs) oh right you needed a break from all the all the taiwanese stuff that you've been editing and going through right so that's 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 what i'm here for (laughs) i really really did um yeah it's just been solid, like wall to wall Fahrenheit and uh, Jiro Wang and uh, you know Wu Chun and his secret wife, um, <laughs> and then yeah, it was a, a, a nice excuse to um, take a break and watch a whole bunch of docu series that are currently airing. But um, let me introduce. Uh, I think it was episode seventeen. Yeah, seventeen. Seventeen. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if anyone out there listening, listen to that. Welcome back to my RSG friend, who is also Hi. my <laughs> also my BTS friend, way out hey. on the west coast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't. I don't know uh, if you want to update us on what you've been doing or. Uh, well, with the whole pandemic thing, not much, but with the Arashi docuseries on Netflix going, and then now we got uh, the BTS one coming out every, like, twice a week now. This is, like, a perfect timing to compare and contrast, talk about the things we see and the things we notice as both series are ongoing currently. Yeah, similar but very different situations in their career, I think. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I guess we could just dive right in. Although, um, maybe we should uh, play your intro song first. Yeah. So I was listening to, um, going through the BTS discography, and Good Day came up, and no one ever talks about it. It's like one of the few songs that I actually really liked immediately upon listening. It's got good flow, good switch-ups. Uh, there's this like great harmonizing part towards the end that is perfection. Tay and Jin really come out in it. And just because I know you've gotten so much flack from the BTS fandom, putting this, maybe starting out with this, will set everyone in a nice mood. And the lyrics are very, very fitting for, you know, discussing what happens in the docuseries and the points that keep coming up across all idol fandoms I think which is something else want to talk about what exactly is an idol and how BTS and Arashi take different aspects of that in their docuseries so I think that's a good place to start all right well then uh let's hit it 
BTS docuseries, this is like their, what, fifth? Fifth? Yeah, fifth. <laughs> <laughs> One millionth. It seems like they have, it. you know, it really feels like they can't, like, fart without it being captured on 10 cameras. Ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. Going from, like, a full day of Arashi episodes to watching the BTS docuseries that break the silence, it's like night and day, almost. At most, you know, the, the cameras are always set up in the Arashi uh, episodes so that, you know, you don't see the person behind the camera or you see ever see another camera in frame. But with the BTS one, because they got like 15 different cameras for 15 different things going on, you, there's like always at least two that you're seeing in the background. And it's not because, yeah, you need to follow different members, but also like there are times where there was like RM walking back from sound check and there's a camera in front of him being filmed by the camera behind him. And they chose, you know, the camera behind him to show on screen, but you still see the camera in front of him, you know, the person behind it walking backwards, capturing the same exact thing. And I'm like, what is, what is the point of all this? Like the 15 different angles of the same exact moment shown like things we've seen in moments, uh, or not moments, memories, you know, the concert, DVDs, the making of, bangtan bombs, it's just never ending. Yeah, it's the same content kind of recycled over and over again. And we can get into the details, but like what struck me, like just sort of my overall impression um, so far of the five Break the Silence episodes is that it's, um, it feels very empty, almost, 
um and I like, think I or I think glossy? I know what you mean like yeah. empty in terms of actual content like actual things that we're pulling out from what the members are saying or and the things that we're seeing like I I get that too yeah, it's just a lot of platitudes. Um, sort of my overall impression is just a lot of platitudes about the group. Like every yeah. every single episode, they spend like at least half of it in interview clips talking about how this group is special, our bond is special, we have a special bond, this is our group bond, blah, blah, blah. Um, and they don't like, they don't show it. They just yeah. tell it. Yeah, and it's um, it's also so vague, so like generic. They there's no details about anything. Like, you know, looking at Arashi, which is like the extreme opposite end, where you know they spend two episodes going over the set list and every single detail, from you know the costume fabrics and the draping to you know where the lights are going to be, and then the mini stage with the actual like physical like replica miniature of their stage and you know, the members in figurine form and how they're going to move about the stage versus BTS at the other end where they're just like, yeah, we changed the cue list. Well, it's, I mean... it's better now. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was it. <laughs> they like, they didn't. And I remember you got so much flack for this also where, you know, and what was it? Bring the Soul, the one before this, yeah. the series, docu-series before this, where they talked about how I Need You and Run weren't getting the response they were hoping for from the audience. And they don't mention that ever in Break the Silence, but they just say that they changed the cue sheet, the set list, yeah. and that it works better now. Well, you know what struck me in Break the Silence, too, is that, um, you know, especially compared to the Arashi um, documentary, is that uh, they just seem constantly surprised at what's yeah. happening on stage which is you know it's kind of shocking um for all that I've you know all these years I've been watching idol groups and behind the scenes and makings and and so on even when you know like a, like a group like Arashi they're not overly involved in you know the the musical side of things but I feel like they still you know you they should still be present and and know what's happening on stage, there's a, there's um in the Yungi, it's like a Yungi interview. Oh my god! Where he says <laughs> about the door. <laughs> I know, I lost it. I and, lost it. You know, and they they said they didn't even that. have time for a technical rehearsal. There were three weeks in between, um, love yourself and speak yourself. Three weeks. Yeah. And they didn't have time for a technical rehearsal, so they basically mm-hmm. show up at the Rose Bowl, and they're like, okay, here's your new sets. And, yeah. you know, especially coming from seeing Matsujun, like, <laughs> go over with, the, like, tweezers, like, you know, the individual, um, you know, uh, sequins on each of their costumes, making sure they're, like, you know, lined up correctly, where he, like, not one person, or he doesn't, like, there's not one thing in that production that Matsujun does not have a personal hand in. And to go from, from seeing that to seeing... BTS just kind of show up at the Rose Bowl and be like, all right, here we are. I mean, it's, it is shocking. Yeah. And we kind of discussed this in episode 17, like there just isn't enough time. There was money put back into speak yourself, but there just wasn't enough time to do more. And this just confirms it. That's like exactly what we thought happened, happened. And 
I don't know how many times Yoongi brought up that they were tense, they were nervous, they were anxious because they were literally flying by the seats of their pants during Speak Yourself. Yeah. And they were just, they didn't know what was going to happen until they were on stage. And there were some clips where they're like looking at, you know, footage of or pictures of the uh, inflatables and being like, oh, that looks cool. But there's no audio. It's just like these clips playing in the background at the end of one of the episodes. And I'm like, wait, go back, show more of that. Like, what was their reaction to the inflatable, you know, playground? Like, why couldn't we see that footage? I, I didn't understand that that one little bit. That was all we got. Some all of it is in memories because I remember seeing them have that conversation um, in Jungkook specifically wanting to have um, the Wings Encore added in. Um, yeah. But yeah, but that's on like a memories disc and you have to like have bought it and <laughs> like watched it, <laughs> um, which are two, you know, buying it and watching it are two different things. So yeah, it's it's a very odd series. Um, and we can, yeah, we can go into detail like on how odd it is. But um, yeah, so the Arashi docu-series is on Netflix and there's seven episodes that have aired so far. And the eighth one must be coming out soon. Yeah, next week. Next Super week. Excited. Ooh, yay! Um, yeah, and so the and that's going to be like a show, showchan focused episode, I think, mm-hmm. which should be fun. Um, and this one is kind of like documenting sort of their last, like the last hurrah. Um, Basically. Yeah, like putting a bow on the whole Arashi project, which it gives it a very, I don't know, like a somber. Yeah, like a somber feel, um, which I'm sure was on purpose because... If, oh, for sure. Yeah, like if there's anything that these first kind of, especially the first like four episodes, I guess, which are sort of getting very into like the um, the planning of the 5 by 20 tour. And you just sort of see where they knew that this was the end the staff didn't necessarily know it was the end, but they knew it was the end, and they kind of just wanted to give something back to the fans to show, I don't know, like respect and um, appreciation for, you know, coming along with them for, for all of these years. And it's a very, I don't know, I mean, like we've seen, did you watch the Are You Happy tour documentary? I have not. Um, that is one thing in my collection I have not purchased along with <laughs> Untitled because I'm like, these are the last two things I'm ever going to get for a long time. So I'm going to like hold off on okay, well watching then, it. I won't give away too many spoilers, but um, the Are You Happy Tour documentary is really good. Um, and it's kind of similar, um, but it's it's very just kind of natural and shows a lot of them like like there's a five minute sequence that really stuck out to me in episode two of just Nino going around trolling every like all the other members (laughs) (laughs) I mean he's he's got like what is he like 36 there 35 36 Mm -hmm. something like that and just you know going around just trolling show and trolling oh no (laughs) I don't know it was just very like sweet almost where he sees the camera and um, they've had these like you know I mean anyone that's followed them for all 20 years knows that they've had their ups and downs like as a unit but they've kind of reached this point of equilibrium and um, 
yeah it was it was just really like it's it is kind of somber but also just like nostalgic yeah i guess the documentary styles like the Ayashi netflix series is cut in such a way that like you see these flashes where you know there's a lot more footage where that came from but it never lingers on anything and it's almost like you know the past 20 years or this past tour of all these little moments adding up. And then there's also a lot of lack of background music. There's a lot of silence. And even sometimes when the clips should have sound, they purposely decide to, you know, leave the audio out. I noticed that too. That's a very yeah. um, Japanese like style of, of filmmaking. They, and they sit too. Like I, um, the interviews, you know, where they do the insert interviews, they just like sit on these yeah. silences, um, which is, it's refreshing. Like it's very refreshing. And I know yeah. that, um, ugh, that awful writer for Japan times, Patrick, <laughs> what's his face, like had that nasty review where he was like, Ooh, it's so boring. And I'm like, well, you know, it's not for you. No, like, it's not like he's a notorious Arashi hater anyway. And so like literally who cares what you think this is for, I mean, it really is for the fans. It is. Like, yeah. I was, you know, past the first episode, which is basically a career recap and a, you know, current situation check of the hiatus announcement. Episodes two and three are, feel very, very long because it's, a lot of it is literally Matsujin sitting and staring at the whiteboard. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, if anyone got this far, they would have, if they're not interested, interested in Ayashi, they probably would have checked out and, you know, switched over to whatever else on Netflix a long, long time ago. Yeah, because it's not, I mean, it's not like an intro to their career. It's not a retrospective of their career. It's not like a, um, you know, here's this thing packed with drama. It's, I mean, in the first episode, um, Matsujun says that there's this, he, he says it's like a uniquely Japanese concept of transitory beauty, and I'm not going to argue with him. Uh, and it's, it's the idea of like the cherry blossoms where they bloom and then they're gone. There's something beautiful in them having been there, even though they don't last. And, you know, you really feel that this documentary is trying to capture kind of the, a moment in time, um, rather than some sort of grand, like you know, introduction to the West for Arashi, which it is absolutely not. It's, it's, yeah, like this transitory beauty. It's a transitory, you're kind of dipping in and dipping out. It's like, set it, like stepping foot in a river. And if you've, you know, like you're familiar with Arashi, then you can, you know, you pick up the pace like right away. But yeah, I don't know if anyone who's unfamiliar with it would, would really enjoy it. That, for me, kind of solidifies the idea that, you know, all this 
going on Spotify and YouTube and, you know, becoming modernized and almost westernized, but not quite, because they're not doing this to, you know, explode onto the world scene to compete with BTS or whatever. They're doing this as a goodbye. They, they're, this is their last gift to us, doing these things and setting a precedent for the younger generation to finally, you know, move on to this new age of, you know, internet promotion, which is something they've avoided until now, basically. This is a whole new, you know, territory, a whole new era for them. And actually, as they're going out, because they're going out anyway, are kind of setting themselves as this may or may not take off, but this is how you can do it. This is how we can do it. And, you know, passing on the baton to a younger generation of idols. You know, they, I feel like they, they really do feel that sense of responsibility, not only yet to their juniors, but to um, their fans. Mm-hmm. And um, there was, I translated an essay from, um, you know, Matsuko Deluxe, mm-hmm. the uh, TV show host, uh, drag queen. Um, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> 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 who is, um, for anyone that doesn't know Metzko Deluxe, she's kind of a very outspoken drag queen. Um, and she, I translated um, one of her essays talking about Kohaku and um, AKB48, which is one of the oh, girl out of groups. Oh, I remember that, yeah. Morning, yeah, Morning Musume, and how she prefers Morning Musume. Um, but one of the, the little anecdotes that she threw in there was, um, and I forget, which idol it was but it was a an idol from you know like the 80s or something who had retired and um sort of gotten out of the spotlight and had popped back up and she looked like garbage like she looked like just like a middle-aged lady um in these paparazzi photos and her fans were like like they were like oh my gosh like oh and and i feel like in an american context we would say like, oh, you know, leave her alone. Like she, she, you know, she can look however she wants. But in like the Japanese context, like the next time she, she showed up, she was like, you know, her makeup was done. She'd lost weight. Like she was dressed nicely. Um, and months and like Matsuko framed it. Like she didn't want to betray her fans. Like these people that loved her and, you know, had put her on this, this, you know, they'd given her this great career. And even though she'd retired, like, she didn't want to betray her fans. And, like, I see some of that in, like, this Arashi documentary. Like, that idea of, like, they don't want to betray their fans. Like, these people who have invested so much. And, like, there's that um, anecdote that Sho tells um, about, like, looking out into the crowd. And, like, he sees the man with the empty seat beside him with the funeral photo. Did you Mm -hmm. catch that? Oh, yeah. We, there were like tweets going out from that actual concert night of what Sho said. And we're like, oh my goodness, this, you know, 20 year anniversary thing is making them so emotional. Like little did we know with the highest announcement coming out two months later that that was why he was starting to say that kind of stuff and putting faces to the fans and saying like, I try to remember you. I see you. I try to look you in the eye. You're not just a faceless blob to me. You are people, and I try to connect with you. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, of course, like the waterworks like started yeah. right away, <laughs> like watching that. And like it, you know, and it's obviously like it's a docuseries, like it's selected for that and, you know, edited and chosen. And But it was just very, Arashi hasn't, like they don't really talk like that. Like they haven't really talked like oh. that in their career. And so to do it now just feels very, very powerful. It does. And I don't know when it was, but in an interview, Nino said something like, you know, I won't know what Arashi is until it ends. And we're like, WTF, Nino? What What are you talking about? Like, that's so fatalistic of you. That's very you. But like, what is this doom and gloom? And little did we find out that it was because the hiatus was on their mind. And now that we have the context for it, and then going back through this um, documentary series is, uh, puts a, a different captures it in a different way, puts a different filter on it. And especially with the way the documentary, you know, flips back and forth to after the announcement and before the announcement, you know, some of the staff knowing, some of their staff not knowing until the day it dropped and how their mess of emotions, I guess, like the way they were going about it. This was two years in the making. This was not you know, a whim like choice, like they really thought out how they wanted to approach this. And the documentary series does a good job of capturing that and that, you know, the sense of keeping that secret and thinking of the best way to tell people and how to say thank you for all the years of support. It's just waterwork city. I know. <laughs> I'm like, I'm tearing up right now just hearing you talk about it. I mean, it's like, it's like they were trying so hard to like tell us with these like really, you know, like I won't know until it ends. And it's like, no, <laughs> you're trying so hard to tell us. But, you know, in, in a way though, like, and I, you get, oh my God, you get so much respect from Matsujun. Like in those, those like sort of, especially those planning episodes mm-hmm. um, where like he just loves this group. Like he loves Arashi. Like he's like Arashi's number. Like there is no one who loves Arashi more than Matsujun. Yeah. Like no one. Everything. He loves everything. And, um, and when he's talking about the, like I'm going to go back again, like to transitory beauty. But I can just see him thinking to himself, like, to what all of this, this project has been, um, to, to, like, end it cleanly. Yeah. And, because, you know, um, unlike, well, like, Shonen High or um, Tokyo, they've kind of just petered off into, mm-hmm. like, you know, I mean, Shonen High has been, like, unofficially, officially on hiatus for, like, forever, but they're like technically still a group, but mm-hmm. not. Um, and Tokyo too, and then SMAP ended so. Gosh, that Bad. was oh, that was awful. Um, so it's kind of like I don't know. Like I feel like they're really doing their best to kind of yeah set sort of set a precedent, but also kind of end things gracefully. Yeah, with class, with. Um thought with sincerity that was the key word this is this is how we're going to show our sincerity and just like respect like respect for the audience respect for their fans like respect for each other um respect for arashi as a group um yeah it's i mean it's very moving 
like it I is. wasn't I wasn't because I haven't been I mean like I was a super Arashi fan for like a few years um and I'm like I'm still a fan but I'm not like a you know super super fan anymore so I wasn't expecting to feel so like overwhelmed but I really was mm-hmm. it, you know it w- it really brought back so many memories um, yeah you know and hearing like the crowd sing along to like mm-hmm. you know no. <laughs> like, uh, during was during the piano part was, oh. <laughs> and you could just like hear them so clearly and you know you realizing this is what show was worried about like what if I go too fast what if they what if the echoing of the voices doesn't match up and <laughs> like yeah. And I mean, if you've ever been, um, like, in the crowd of, like, you know, one of those um, concerts. So I, when I saw ABCZ and they had, like, they do, like, a sing-along for, like, Hanakotoba. And just to, like, be in the middle of that crowd of, like, everyone who, like, I, I don't know. It's just very powerful, like, being in the middle of a crowd. Everyone's singing along. Everyone knows the words. Like, it's just so, like, overwhelming. And the lyrics, that the song that they chose, Aozora Padaru, yeah. uh, the lyrics that they sing at that moment that, you know, I made a mess of the colors, they're running, but I can't go back to a blank state now. And it's like, uh, they've already announced, they're going to announce that they can't go back, they can't go back. <laughs> no. Like the tears, like the tears are just like, oh, running. <laughs> the tears and the paint are running together. <laughs> Oh, God, it was, yeah, it's, I don't know, I have so many memories tied up in Arashi. And um, you encouraged me to rewatch the Arashi around Asia, like, making, like, tour making. Um, and that was their first kokuritsu mm-hmm. um, stage. Didi-didi. Bring 
くもくも集まり雨を降りて固まるしじゃあ噂じゃどうかなまるで青はなそんなもんで勝てそうかな獣の道でも通らば青とと止まらないウサギよりも亀進むもつい耐えきれず今じゃ大洪水そうえを見ないほどにじわりじわり進みゆきここ東京の中心から世界羽ばたく大空から地上へまたなく今だけして何一つ変わらずありのまま何一つだからゼロ八嵐へ再発船での前に一つ挨拶二回た口をまたまた開拓ライザー聴衆ともせ絶えます But yeah, it was such a contrast to like, you know, 12 years in the because that was 2008. So、mm-hmm. I guess it was 10 years, 10 years in the future, Matsujun. So confident. In control, just like Mr. I'm in charge of production. I know exactly what I want. And I,、um, I love how, like, every little thing, every staff member had to go to him to confirm something. Like,、yeah. you see it over and over in a documentary.、Yep. But, yeah. Like, he's, he's nodding or he's like,、uh, no, go do it again. Go figure it out. Kind of、yeah. like. <laughs> and you can see, like, the germ of it in Arashi around Asia. I don't know, like, the, the stress and. The anxiety over like their first like、um, dome or kokoritsu, like stadium. Olympic stadium, outdoor stadium, yeah. Outdoor, yeah stadium. outdoor stadium, and they're like hot. They're like, oh my God, it's so hot. And、um, there's like one scene kind of like towards the beginning where、um, Aiba, Ono, Nino, and Sho are just like sitting on the ground, like just looking miserable. And in the background, like Jun is like talking to the staff. They've got like the clipboard out, and he's like going over stuff. And... You know, that doesn't really change in the documentary. There's that one part where they like junk in, they rock, paper, scissors to go ask if they can leave. <laughs> <laughs> While Masajun's talking with the staff, and it's like two in the morning. <laughs> They're like, okay, who's gonna go and say we can go? <laughs> And、um, yeah, it's just like, I don't know, like you can feel the tension.、Um, and they're all so nervous, but, you know, they work through it, they get through it, and, you know, all the sort of interpersonal tensions and dramas. And all of that has been, you know, 10 years later in like the Arashi voyage, it's all gone.、Um, and they're very comfortable with each other. And、um, I don't know. Like, it was very just kind of nostalgic, like going back and seeing that, like, super tense, like, mid 20s Arashi who didn't、We're、know. We're on the cusp of, like, becoming, you know, national idols. They're like, can we perform here? This is like, is this real? Like, what are、yeah. we, what are we doing here? Yeah. You know? And they would, you know, and just like the taking photos of themselves, like, looking at, like, the very, like, going to the very, very, very top of, like, where the, um, The flame, the Olympic torch is held. And like taking, like Ono's like taking photos like of the stage from there. And yeah, like this、um, is going to be the first and last time they're going to do this. Like, but you know, they would continue to do it for like six more years yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> until the stadium、here. was destroyed. <laughs> 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 but it's so, like, it's so moving to see them like make this journey. And, um, 
yeah, it's, God, it has been quite the 20 years for Arashi. And maybe this would be a good segue into discussing what exactly idols are and why there's this difference, this emotional connection versus, you know, artists, you know, serious, quote unquote, music, musicians, groups. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I mean, this is something, I don't know, is like the underlying question of like my whole podcast right um, <laughs> I, I went back and li- i went back and listened to the first episode oh yeah and i because like when i was deciding you know whether to contact you or you know like before we started you know talking like i went and you know looked at your blog and then i listened to that first podcast and i'm like she gets it like this is there's something different about idols and we're not quite sure what the difference is, but trying to figure it out, right? Yeah, and and it's interesting because, um, I mean, I, like, to be an idol is to have a persona. Uh, and mm-hmm. that's why, like, I was initial, initially, like, very hopeful about, like, the persona era Me? of BTS. Oh, I was like, I was like, yes, they're gonna, <laughs> they're gonna do it, they're gonna, you know, figure it out, and then... To be an idol, I think, is, is like, well, like that Matsuko Deluxe essay where, you know, you really you don't want to betray the fans. You don't want to betray the fans. Um, and, you know, whatever that means to you. Uh, and I think to some, some groups, it means, you know, retaining kind of that sort of good public image a sort of princely public image um and to other groups it means something different in a lot of ways i feel like to be an idol is to to allow yourself to reflect the fans desires like back to them yeah so i when for episode 17 i was i did a little tangent on like parasocial because this is what it really is basically yeah yeah technical term for it is parasocial relationship. It's a real relationship. The emotions and the exchanges are real in that setting, but that's all it is. And it's a one way almost, well, it should be a one way power dynamic really. Is, yeah. You know, there's the object, the, the figure, the idol and the audience. And with the rise of, you know, YouTube and, you know, Twitch, game streaming, you know, mukbangs where you watch someone eat and people pay you money to eat. I'm still wrapping my head around that one. But <laughs> this <laughs> idea that you know, <laughs> through the internet, through a screen, you can create these relationships that don't actually really exist, but somehow one party gains, you know, emotional value from it and the other party may may or may not gain emotional value from it but they do certainly get a monetary value out of it especially with some of these newer k-pop groups especially that 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 parasocial element um especially the online part where it is it is very solitary it's different from kind of an idol idol where the real life part is important and like being part of an audience and um like being like you know being part of that sing-along 
for, I mean, for ABCZ, it was Hana Kotaba, um, for Arashi, Azura Peruru. And feeling that connection, being, sitting next to fans, um, and, you know, so in the BTS docuseries, they, they, you know, I was at that Rose Bowl show, that first one in LA. Just, like, being part of that atmosphere and seeing the group and being, like, just being one in a sea of fans is a very different feeling from sitting behind your screen as, like, a shooter for Bangtan and, yeah. <laughs> you know, watching, like, GIF compilations. Like, and it, it's there. It's just two very different things. Well, then, uh, here's the question. How is being in an idol concert in that audience different from, saying, being at Wembley when Queen was there or, you know, being in a rock concert audience, Madison Square Garden? Like, this is, I think you addressed this in the, the first podcast as well, where there are different things we expect from idols than we do from an artist artist. And that's why in Japan they, you know, refer, there is, two different guests on music station there are the artisto the artists and yeah. then idols the idols yeah yeah and and i think a lot of it has to do with that idea of um that relationship with the audience where you really are as an idol you're reflecting the fans desires back to them where i think if you're an artist like a singer songwriter or um like if you're if you're in it to fulfill your own artistic desires, mm-hmm. you're an artist. Yeah. But it's if like, would Kanye West care if, you know, his fans were disappointed that he didn't dress a certain way? No, he would give zero Fs. Yeah. He would just do whatever. And there's definitely that difference is yeah. a big one. And I think, you know, um, you watched, I well, I made you watch the um, the 17 docuseries as yes, well. Yes, and... I know I liked it. It was like a good in between between yes. like a good midpoint between Ayashi where, you know, they were you would see scenes where they're talking with the staff, they're getting, you know, stage direction with the staff, going over what to do on stage and off stage. And then a mix of the BTS side where, you know, they're following them into the hotel rooms and asking what they're gonna do that on their day off. Yeah. But they they don't cross that line of actually following them following them out of the hotel while they go play tennis or whatever. That's not not seen whereas on the BTS end the, that cameraman would be following them all day long. Yeah, that cameraman we would see like their tennis game or their gym workouts. Which yeah. we do. We do see that in the BTS series. But um so that first episode with um Wooji, like he talks about um emotion and they say like he's like like that's his concern is like the emotion and building emotion and like the emotional connection. And um, to me, you know, all this time I've spent thinking about idols and I think like that kind of hits at, at like the, the core of it where you're, that's what you're playing with as an idol is like, you're like, that is your art is, is the emotional connection. Yes. And the emotion that you want your audience to feel through the medium of music, through the medium of dance, um, and just being able to build that connection over years with your with your audience, and um, 
and it can be very very powerful and and I think that it's not an aspect of musical artistry that's really like given any respect especially in western fandoms and western um, music criticism but I really liked in that 17 documentary they like <laughs> dressed it immediately like in episode one the dance and the the performance and the music and the talent the the visuals and like it's all part of one big thing but it's meant to be pleasing and it's meant to make you feel good and it's meant to um be a positive part of positive yeah and i think they i think he even says it too um that he wants it to be something positive like he wants people to come out like feeling good um from a concert um, and not because they're changing the world or whatever, but because they saw Seventeen and they like Seventeen. Like, that's that's enough. You know, you see Arashi, you go to the concert and you have an amazing time and you come out and you love Arashi and that's enough. Like, it doesn't have to be bigger than that. That's, that is big on its own. It doesn't have to be like a UN speech. Just going to the concert and feeling that joy is enough. And then I think this is important for BTS fans who, you know, they, they're like, we're not K-pop, we're BTS pop, you know. Oh, God. <laughs> we're, and then the, the whole, you know, idol, the uh, idol song, you know, can call me idol, can call me artist. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was one song that never jived with me, to be honest. It never jived with me either, but that first day in the Rose Bowl, right? And I'm like, I deliberately, I think I told this story a million times before, but anyway, I'll tell it again one more time for BTS fans that are hate listening to this. Um, So I'm sitting up like way, like I was way in the back, like I deliberately got like a, a high up seat so that I wouldn't be tempted to you know um try to like your name it so (laughs) so i'm sitting like way up in the back um but there were like these high school girls behind me like with their dads and i was sitting next to another girl who was there by herself and um like they were playing like the videos on the screen or whatever and it was just like a beautiful california like may day and like the rose bowl is this like beautiful like it's just in like a park and there's like trees outside and the the stadium itself is like really really nice like it's an old-fashioned um 
old-fashioned stadium, like, lovely design. Um, and so, like, the stadium is just, like, packed with excited fans, and, like, Idol is playing, and everyone's just singing along, and, like, one of the, um, vendors, like, comes down, like, just, like, dancing, like, to the, to the song and stuff, and, <laughs> like, we're all just like, oh, 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 and it was, like, to me, like, it's just such a, a nice memory of, like, this beautiful, like, spring day, um, everyone was just so happy, and to me, like, that's, that is my memory of Idol, is just like that, and... Yeah, it's, it's a fun concert song, it's a hype mm-hmm. song. It's a hype yeah. song, yeah. Yeah, just like you're not gonna listen to, like, you know, Summer Splash, or, oh yeah, like, just as a song. Yes, <laughs> thank you for getting it, getting it in there. <laughs> I know my Irishy concert songs and uh, Summer Splash and Oh Yeah, yeah. Like it's not something you just like put on to listen to, but in the moment, and every Irishy album always has like some of these concert songs, and you know them when you hear them, and you're like, oh yeah, that's the concert song. <laughs> Everyone wave your hands. Wave your hands. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or um, if you, you know, or like something like funky, like quickly, do the learn dance. the dance, learn the dance. Learn the dance. <laughs> <laughs> but that's part of it too, is like being able to be part of that crowd and just know. And so like, yeah, like to me, like idols, they're really like, it's different from, from like a rock group because like it's not like it's a collaborative art in a lot of ways where the the fans have to buy in enough to the to the, to the fantasy to the yeah. image yeah. the concept that this you know these are just like five dudes or whatever on stage yeah they're just five regular guys for the most part um and i mean most idols do not have spectacular talent in any direction i mean some do don't get me wrong, but most are just average guys. Like, as far as, like, singing, dancing, you know, acting. Um, but they have something special, and when they get on that stage and they become idols, that is a skill set. Like, that is something to be celebrated, and it's it's an art like no other. <laughs> When I was going through, like, looking up, trying to look up some more, I don't know, scientific or more objective, you know, looks at the idol world, you know, all the, oh, it's such a dark industry, you know, this is the dark side stuff that keeps popping up. Ugh. But one, <laughs> one of them, you know, did a very fair assessment of being like, this is basically a emotional connection that has been commodified but it's no not that much different from like you know 
talk radio or, um, you know, made cafes where, you know, you're, you, you've picked this person that you want to, you know, listen to, you want to talk to, you want to connect with. And this uh, exchange is across all idol fandoms. So when every time BTS said, you know, it's our special connection and our special connection to the fans, I'm like, yeah, that's special because you created something between the two of you, but that is the same across all idol fandoms. And you can even carry that over to, you know, like anime fandoms or anything really. Like when a person makes an emotional connection to something, you know, it's the, the thing they made a connection with, you know, whether it's an anime series or a character or a game. And then there's also the community aspect, the fans that they have, you know, met up at conventions or at concerts and whatever this thing that humans do when we latch ourselves onto something, it's a universal, I think, experience. We're not, we're not creatures meant to be alone. We're social creatures. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of, um, Star Trek fandom actually. Um, (laughs) And I and I mean that in like the best way because um you know I'm well because I'm a Star Trek fan, but um like so the original Star Trek fans you know when they started meeting up and having these conventions like back in the seventies, I mean it, it like there is something of that that idol bond there with the actors or sports. Um, I like soccer, you know, and I follow MLS, and um but you see it like in sports fandoms too um for for any men that happen to be listening (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah like it's I feel like you know idols they really get disrespected in you know by critics by BTS fans um by a lot of different people and I I don't know like just me personally like I do have a lot of respect for idling as an art form I mean I think being able to play that emotional connection with fans and you know really give something back is that's not something to be taken lightly and one of the things that I really loved about that Arashi docuseries makes it clear that like they understand um, how deeply people feel about them and like they respect it like 100% they respect their fans even though I mean we both know that <laughs> there are some like batshit crazy Arashi fans out there and I'm sure all five members have been stalked and harassed and um you know I'm sure that their personal lives have you know it's taken a toll on their personal lives um but to to still respect that bond with fans like you and me like after all of it is just it's so moving it really is just so moving and with the bts fans being like you know the idol industry is that's not what bts is about they're they're transcending it they're i don't know breaking walls or whatever but at the core of it when you after watching each docuseries in in a sense all the groups have the same sentiment you know we receive so much love we want to give back what we get. We want to do right by the fans. Uh, these are things that almost every idol says. And BTS 
like you cannot argue that they're not idols. They play the idol handbook. They they go to idol shows. They get the idol trophies. They the things they say and the things they do, even in this documentary series where they're supposed to be like, oh look at me, I'm an artist or whatever. I'm writing my song, like. Oh yeah, they do linger on that like V-Min songwriting, which it felt like a very unusual choice. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know what I want to say about that docuseries is um, the Jin going to Six Flags <laughs> episode. And he talks about, and it's just like an aside and almost brushed away how his normal life is just like gone away and people find it tedious to hang out with him yes that was and so sad it was so sad and and but he said you know i always want to put on a good face for the fans like i want them to feel good and and that's a very idle thing to say it is and what struck me though was like you know it, it's presented as so much in this bts docuseries is from Yoongi's door noise in She Saw, um, it, it just like appears out of nowhere where there's nothing, there's no context. There's no context for anything. And no, it's, it's such a mess of a documentary. I had to like keep looking at the episode title to figure out what they were trying to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> well, they weren't talking about anything. They were just talking about OT7. Like yeah. every, every interview is just talking about OT7. And you have to kind of read between the lines or like fill in the gaps from um, other things. And like, uh, but just Jin, he seems, he strikes me, Jin. Jin Jungkook, knows. And yeah, Jungkook. He knows. Uh, Jin knows what's going on, but Jungkook is also, strikes me as very sincere. And I find it kind of interesting that he's been like left out of most of this docuseries. Like he's not really yeah. present at all, which I found a very interesting choice. You know um, what it is it? Also an interesting choice. The most of the <laughs> interview clips come from RM and J Hope, <laughs> who you know have very much embraced the party line. <laughs> so to yeah, speak. I I may have noticed that as well. Um, <laughs> and what and also I found interesting is that a lot of like so I couldn't even finish what was it Bring the Soul, which was the previous one, because it was so staged it was so oh yes the hamilton thing i oh. i went just before we recorded i yeah. like went through every episode of burn the stage or burn the soul yeah or whatever it is just to like be like okay trying to put together a timeline of when these were recorded what part on tour because they repeat so much so many things they repeat yeah. themselves so many times and go to the same cities and i'm like okay this is you know 2018 love yourself first time around in the u.s <laughs> having yeah. to like remember place and time and the hamilton thing where you had gone and had a good time but then in this docuseries they had to go and nitpick themselves even though they thought they did a good job i was like i was literally like literally in the crowd like two feet away like I was in the pit one person away from barrier like for that show like I was there like I know it was a good concert and um yeah like there was so much that was staged in that and it felt very fake 
and I couldn't I couldn't even finish it it just felt so fake and this break the silence does not feel fake like that like except (laughs) for certain parts where it's clear that they have the camera in the room for kind of the uh, rm Jimin like lyrics and whatever consultations which yeah it's just a precise moment captured yeah. on camera where the song has been perfected oh, it's and finished come together. and rm has given you know every bit of stage songwriting advice that he has to offer and yeah you know the, the two tripod cameras set up at you know two very nice angles but still capturing the other camera in the back <laughs> where and then you know and of course like there was one i think i sent you the screen cap too where you see like rm making eye contact with the camera as he's saying like something about their next album like looking behind it like to the staff like am i allowed to say this um and you know that's not to like shit on rm uh who's he really is just doing his job and i'm not like I can't shit on him for that but it is very telling that that's like those were the stagey scenes like to me like that's that's what stood out is like what they wanted to like push was you know um, the artistry and you know the songwriting and you know what I find also very curious is that when Jimmy's Promise came out it was December 2018 and he said he had been working on it for you know seven to eight months it's been so long well what is seven months before December 2018. That's like, what, beginning of summer 2018, before they start prepping for this tour that they know they're going to be filmed 24-7 on, that they're going to want to, like, push the, we are artists, you know. Suddenly every member of the vocal line wants to write a song and put it on SoundCloud for free. Yeah. Like. Which, I mean, I have, and that's the thing, is, like, I I have nothing against that, like, but no. but you have to you have to accept it as as kayfabe um, to use the wrestling term um, and and enjoy it on that level. Like it's it's ve- it's to be an idol is very different from being a singer songwriter. And like I'm sorry, but none of these men are singer songwriters. Like they're they're idols no. and they project what we want to see back to us. And if we want to get into um August D, like August D, like August D two, I feel like a lot of it is Yungi projecting the persona he thinks we wanna see back to us, which is like but I think he really just was like, Okay, uh Army seemed to like dang a lot. And so I'm just going to condense Dang into a another song. And there we go. August D2. The line, the king has called, basically done a call to arms. And the whole idea, the, the song title is the, um, the name for the traditional Korean military fanfare, I, I guess. Is yeah. that correct? And I'm like, is the king... Bang PD, who is calling to arms this Minugi producer slash Shuga to, you know, once again do the death march. Is that is that, is that what's going on here? <laughs> there's so much. There's so much going on in, and I just wish that it wasn't so. Like it was, 
just accepted as as a persona that august d was accepted as a persona and not as as something you know tangible and material and real because it's it's an ugly it's a really ugly song um emotionally i'll just say Mm. that and to have seen armies attacking mino attacking bobby g-dragon top zico over like they weren't even mentioned in the lyrics and you know it's like well what's the point of of these tweets with like 30,000 likes of like hating on these k-pop idol rappers that that their names like Yungi didn't mention their names like Augusty didn't mention their names um like why are you like why like why is this what attracts army like why is this the persona that attracts army of this it it's just very ugly very very ugly Like I've mentioned to you in DMs where, you know, first getting to BTS where the, the underdog tale and being like coming out on top and now you can, you know, talk to Mac back down as like, you know, our karma is an army, blah, blah, blah. Oh, God. And then that just mentality never goes away and just keeps intensifying over time. Yeah. And like at first, it feels good, and it's like, cause I, I'll be honest, I was never a big fan of you know K-pop. Uh, there, there was the songs I like, but like the culture and the fandom, I never jived with as much as I did with you know Johnny's, which is, you know, two sides of a very big coin, similar <laughs> same coin. No, you're right, and and I'm the same way. To be honest, and, I mean, I. Yeah. I liked songs, I liked groups, um, but I never really in, got invested in like K-pop fandom before um, becoming interested in BTS. And Same. yeah, and I was absolutely horrified <laughs> by mm-hmm. what I found. Yep, yep. Horrified. And, you know, it was great to see, finally see, you know, a group might on the verge of, you know, doing something grassroots oriented, something groundbreaking, you know, trying to shake free of that. And then just being disappointed that it's more the same now, basically they have turned into their own nightmare. They, as much as, you know, the BTS fandom wants to pull them away from K-pop, they have turned into the biggest nightmare K-pop, you know, evolution. It's like when alien, the like original alien wasn't actually the alien we know and like made it like got into the DNA of a human and came out of a human pro Prometheus or whatever that movie was and to become the alien we know now. <laughs> oh my god. This is the best metaphor. Well, you know, and, and it's true though because 
like okay did you notice in the bts break the silence um so they didn't really or they haven't as of yet played like much of the new songs like it's all old songs that they're playing as like background music and i mean not gonna lie like i heard save me and i was like <gasps> save me like it's still, like it still felt oh, good like save and me. and then when jungkook's like oh this is uh like the my part from like i they use my recording from the my trainee days and just put it on oh, the album that, okay <laughs> what was that episode one that's my favorite that one. <laughs> my favorite scene in like the entire thing where he eats chicken by himself and gets drunk and just like watches old videos and i'm like oh stars colon they're just like us <laughs> yeah i take a sip of my dark brown spiced chocolate milk that comes with love i think <laughs> <laughs> i yeah and, and it's and for as much hate as i've gotten for like allegedly being a bts anti like i'm really not like i really no, we're do... not we're not <laughs> no i really do love bts like i was at the rose bowl show like come I on i was bored of hey purple army until like these uh, the fandom started shitting on everyone <laughs> oh, god this this fandom is a nightmare this fandom is an absolute nightmare it's um, the alien of it is it is it's the alien of k-pop and it's like god and i just find but that was like the whole thing with the docuseries is like not only like when i said it was kind of glossy and empty like what i meant was that so it starts off in that november tokyo dome show right oh yeah yeah i had to they kept going back and forth between all the different stadiums like so they yeah but they start off at tokyo dome and okay it's allegedly like break the silence we're getting real we're getting truthful not one mention of like death threats <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> you know november, what I mean? oh my god november no, november like, not one mention of death threats not one mention of the hate that they'd been getting from um you know like having music station appearances like their music station appearance canceled like not one mention of any of that and i have a friend well an acquaintance um who was at that tokyo dome show and who said it was like one of the most powerful shows that she'd been at because um because of all of that like where they really felt like the fandom had pulled together and they were like we're here for you and to have this like break the silence we're breaking our silence we're telling the truth and not have any of that like that you know and just keep repeating the same you know yeah like this our everything is special you know we, we right. work through it and i'm like well work through are, are what? you like got through what like what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what yeah it's like it just it's just like nothing it's just like out of nowhere stuff and you know compared to the Arshi documentary where like Aiba brings up his you know illness with his lungs collapsing and you know not not as like a plea for sympathy or empathy or whatever but it was something that could have ended his career and he was very scared and the thing is no one knew he had a relapse in 2011 or maybe it was mentioned but a lot of fans were like wait he had a relapse in 2011 yeah Yeah. 
and and to me like that that is more idol-like to me than anything and that's why like in the 17 documentary too where Escobes talks about um you know his his panic attack that he had on stage essentially and you know he he gets very emotional and I I felt like that was more powerful to me than having that footage of the camera like in his face mm-hmm. yeah. in what was it, episode three and yeah. like that just felt intrusive but mm-hmm. but having him talk about it later is kind of like a cleansing thing that thing I saw what was it episode one or two where they're like now is not the time for filming yeah like, yeah and I'm like maybe they put that in after maybe they actually said it at the time but it's important to always think why that footage was included and it's included to remind you that the filming the documentary is not the priority it never yeah. should be yeah because dino goes to the hospital at one point and they they talk about it and like okay we're gonna have to change like how we do these formations um and it's clear that they're like stressed out and anxious but they don't like if it was a bts documentary like i'm sorry but they would have had that camera up his butt like at the hospital <laughs> <laughs> like, or, you know, they would have, have had, like, the camera up his butt, like, while the, the camera, like, just there, like, backstage, and then shoved him up to go on. It's, you know, it's, or it's did, very did stark. You the, the Hawaii Odyssey NHK one, where uh, Nino started, you know, his leg went numb, he had back, like, a pinched nerve, back pain or something, yeah. and... I was also thinking if this was a BTS documentary, that camera would be up in his face. But no, it's just a shot of the medical tent and you can hear him kind of moan in pain. And that's it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Honestly, you know, how it affects the performance and how they resolve that and the decision to slide up instead of doing the jumping, uh, you know, jumping up from the stage uh, from the trap door. And then that's it. And then he, Nino, being Nino, talks about it in a very clinical way. Whereas, you know, other idols, BTS would have said, you know, I didn't want to disappoint the fans. You know, I want to, if I'm going to sit out, do it after the concert. But with Nino, he's like, well, people paid money to come see me. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, and that's, it, but that's like, that's the reality. I, I mean, and, you know, Maybe it's like no surprise, but like Nino is my favorite member of Arashi. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like well, and like going back to the S Coops episode, um, where just the way he talks, you feel like you really get the sense that he feels this pressure of keeping the group together, of being the leader. And I think he even says at one point where when he gets on stage that's when he feels like he can relax a bit and let the others kind of take charge and you know you don't like there's you don't get that sense of leadership in bts like you feel it from matsujun like 100 percent. like matsujun is in charge um even though like ono is technically rira but you know (laughs) matsujun is is the glue of that group that was also what bothered me with the docuseries was, you know, 
I, I get that the focus is on the members and them, you know, speaking themselves and breaking the silence, whatever. Uh-huh, burning but, the stage. Yeah, burning the stage. <laughs> but like when it comes to the actual running of the concert, there's even in memories, even in like the making of, it's always yeah. like, you know, the most we get, they might ask for a different level in their mic, in their ear, uh, earrings, their yeah. headsets, or you know, this, or, or, or what was it where their biggest change was including "Not Today" and them and Samsung Duke uh, discussing, you know, you gotta remember that. Oh, remember the backup dancers won't be on stage with you, so you gotta, you know, do their choreography and then walk out onto the stress stage, and they spend like. I don't know, a good minute on that and then show two minutes of the Not Today performance. But I'm like, did any of the audience actually absorb what was what they were talking about? <laughs> what they were talking about? And I'm like, if this was a Matsujin performance, I think BTS would die. Like they the minimal changes that they had to do to yeah. for Speak Yourself. They they were like literally last minute like trying to figure out who gets off the lift first and Jim is like, I gotta get off first because we're me and RM are on stage. So can you like let, let me get off first? I'm like always oh, being pushed around. I'm like, you guys are figuring this out like an hour to curtain up. I'm like, oh boy. The amount that I would pay to see Matsumoto Jun pr- <laughs> like produce a BTS show. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's gonna have some free time coming up. I yeah. personally would really like to see it. <laughs> And it was like, and then oh, there was this great moment where J-Hope, you know, is speaking, like, speaking in circles, like, you know, it just came out naturally, you know, all our past experiences and performances on TV shows. And we, you know, we pulled off the show. We we did the show great. You know, it's a testament to how important experiences. And I'm like, that is just a whole bunch of flowery words to say you guys were on autopilot and that your biggest trouble was remembering not to do that for not today and just diving with Yoongi's verse until he had to walk down the stress stage. <laughs> do you remember when this stuck out to me so much was when J-Hope says something like, well, you know, most pop stars can kind of just like go with the flow or whatever. Yes! And I oh was like, God. what the hell what are, you are you talking saying? about? What, what are you saying? What? It's like, Come oh, on, like... we have VCRs and a set list. We can't deviate. We can't be like, oh, we want to do this for an encore. I'm like, that's every pop modern artist. Are you thinking of like a and punk you... band yeah. in a bar who, you know, be like, yeah, play that one that we like. Yeah, yeah let's, let's do that, do that one. Like, you... like, what are you talking about? I mean, every... on, the Rolling Stones, you too. <laughs> These groups, they have like a production. You can't just like you can't just change the set list of a Rolling Stones concert. Are you kidding me? Um, like the sound engineers, the light, the lighting yes. crew. <laughs> and I mean, like it's oh god, that's that to me. That moment to me said either Jung Ho Suk does not understand what it is that goes into you the know the production of the show they the production like, of a show <laughs> <laughs> because he's never had to think about it because he just shows up and someone tells him what to do or he knows what goes into the production of a show but but he, he, un- but he makes bts special but he yes but he understands that the fans thinks bts is unique in that they're 
a touring stadium act and he has to play into that either one of those things is true and and they're both very disturbing yeah to be honest <laughs> and that's why i keep bringing up the you know bts you you can argue that they're not idols but they are essentially playing the idol handbook i mean you they, can the artist but you can you know the artist that... and you know has written tons of songs for Odyssey. yeah like show yeah. show writes every single one of his raps so don't come at me like <laughs> They're oh no no no! no. Just like, like he's an idol rapper, he doesn't he doesn't know how to. He's not a me. real rapper. Just like the I supernova mean, next to the door. <laughs> just like a supernova next <laughs> to, to the, the door. door. Like, best, best rap lyrics of all. Time. Don't tell me that that is not more meaningful than Mike Mike Bungie. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna drop my mic and leave. <laughs> There are some lyrics that are, that are poetic and have, you know, a 50 million double entendres. And there are just some that are good fun, like a supernova. Supernova next to the door. I happen to really enjoy that song. That is the best song. That's such you a face down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna play it right now. Um but yeah, like that's such a great era too. Um that's one of my favorite eras. Make you love song and face down and I don't know. I I really get aggravated at BTS fans and then, you know, I look and I realize that they're either thirteen years old, um, and have no idea about anything. Um, or they're, you know, 45 years old, um, and have no idea about anything and used to like One Direction and Twilight and now have yeah. moved on to BTS for whatever reason. And this is why I wanted to bring up the what is an idol discussion because yeah. I feel like they're not quite getting it and they think yeah. what they have with BTS is special, but it's special in the sense that they've chosen BTS as their idol. Yes. Yep. That's connection yes is special but other people have a similar connection to other idols and other things this is yeah this is not a unique experience and that's why i keep bringing it up like this is yeah and universal. and to me like that that actually makes it worse because to to like there are groups that i don't particularly care for um i'm just gonna i'm just gonna go out and say it i don't really like heisei jump and <laughs> like I really like for whatever reason I really don't like Heisei Jump I find them unappealing but I still like I understand like the fans that like Heisei Jump like I get it like I do yeah. get it and I would never trash talk them, them. Yeah. never and and never. Heisei Jump fans you are welcome here like as much as anybody else and you know there are good songs like I I will appreciate a good song from Heisei Jump as much as I would 
anybody else. Um, and like, I know a good performance when I see it, like, and there are, you know, K-pop groups I feel the same way about where I just do not like them, but Mm -hmm. it like the fans, like, I'm not going to shit on the fans because like, I get it. Like they have that same connection. Yeah. Right. And, and to me, like, it's just, it's not helpful when you have, um, mature, adult fans who really for whatever reason find it like that that the, their mission in life is to um you know wave a flag for for their fandom and like attack everybody else's is like fake and plastic and um stupid and and whatever it, like it's not helpful and no. it's and it's not like what is the point of that and you know if you're 13 years old like fine whatever um you know you're 13 years old like i did a lot of dumb stuff when i was 13 years old um right like um like i get it like i do get it but you know i feel like also i like there were older fans that kind of discouraged me like as a 13 year old star trek fan from um you know getting too uh like nasty about like characters i hated uh who i won't name um (laughs) you know like we all like not everyone likes alexander uh wharf's son uh he's very annoying um or wesley not everyone likes wesley crusher um (laughs) you know but but some people do and that's okay and uh, like I feel like that is the place of like the mature fan is to say you know okay maybe you 13 year old girl don't like Wesley Crusher that's okay but that doesn't mean you can send you know hate mail to Will Wheaton that doesn't mean Will Wheaton yeah right and that doesn't mean you can like you know you shouldn't be going and seeking out uh, Wesley Crusher fans and like antagonizing them like that's that's not good i mean some people will still do it but i feel like the mature fans should be like no stop it like that's not that's not okay um and And maybe part of it comes from that napoleon complex where you know they gotta just keep beating down because they have this idea that you know it's their karma now it's their place to do it i don't know i don't know either and the other thing too is like um well, if we want to go back to Arashi and their um, best-selling global album. Oh, God. <laughs> you know what? Just take the damn trophy. I don't care. <laughs> right. I don't care. But that's, that's just... I don't want to, like, throw it at them. Like, physically throw it Right? At and that's, people. that's just it, though. Is that, like... I mean, I feel like most Arashi fans... I mean, I would say probably, like, 95... 99% of Arashi fans don't care care. they don't care they may not even know um but but to them to us like the value in arashi is not how many records they've sold like it's cool that that so many people like them like that's awesome but that's not the value like the value is not in the numbers and you know if you want to play that game fine but doesn't mean anything like because i've gotten kind of attached to winner 
uh, and like there I just checked actually and their um, last single hold had about 10 million views on like the um, the video which was the last one that they released um, last month like before two of the members went into the military and you know the group is essentially on hiatus for like two years for a, well more actually probably like four years um well so what so that 10 million views that's like that's less than the 35 million that um august e got you know in one day so does that mean that the like winner is worth less than august d like no no the fans that love winner love winner and it doesn't matter that there's like you know that they weren't zombie streaming the mv to like get it to you know 40 million views or whatever like that like that number is not not a value judgment and um it's not a moral judgment it's not it's not anything it's just a number and like i i actually think it was like kind of smart of johnny's to like say well we're just not going to accept any awards because <laughs> like, they may or may not get any you know right, right. <laughs> and, but, but i i like i respect that like i i actually do you know now as like an old an old hand like um idol viewer like i do respect it because it doesn't like to just remove yourself from the competition just says it doesn't matter we don't care we don't care it doesn't matter the value is not in these awards or these numerics or whatever like the value is in the relationship with the fans I mean, that's why, like, my favorite group is ABCZ. And, you know, they are a very tiny group, but they have a very devoted fandom, and that's why they're still active. Like, they're still putting out uh, singles and CDs and um, concert tours and they're in stage plays and um, yeah like they're like what's wrong with that like nothing like that doesn't make them better or worse than any other group yeah and it's going back to the idea of what exactly is an idol and like what role they play in society like I kind of went on this tangent before where I don't know if this makes any sense where you know the old idea of you know the perfect idol that is you know the role model almost not in the sense that you aspire to be them, but that they're just kind of like the figure that of goodwill in the world that, you know, mm. will do try to do right by you and mm. uh, do right by the community. And, and a lot of Japanese idols, uh, it's about, you know, giving back to that immediate community of fans mm. and maintaining that relationship and, 
transparency and being like, we will try to do right by you, even if, you know, that's just the image and they're secretly smoking in the alleyway on their break or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, you know, and I, and I think like a lot of Idol fans, especially like old timers, you know, like us, like we, we understand. And like, if Nino is smoking a butt between takes, like, you know, it's neither of us care. Yeah, it's it's fine. It's it is what it is. Um, It's private life, and again, the private life and the day job of being an idol and idols, you know, looking at their role as their actual job versus an artist being like, oh, I'm an artist. I do whatever. You know, I give zero f's. This is my expression, and the idol being like, you know, this is my way of doing right by my community of fans and keeping up the image, keeping up the the fantasy, the, you know, the parasocial relationship. Yeah. And, and I mean, idols can have like artistic sides as well. I mean, um, yeah, it's not black and white. It's not black and white. There is certainly a border and, you know, there's stage plays, um, like stage roles you can take, solo albums, like there's all sorts of different things that idols can do to like express themselves sort of artistically if they want to. Yeah. And not all of them want to. And that's, and that is also fine. Yeah. Um, Jack of all trades, master of none. Like that is. Yep. And <laughs> like, cause I'm really looking forward to, um, uh, Beckyun from EXO and Super M. His, his next solo album is coming out like, next week i think and well who knows when this drops but um <laughs> like when we're recording it is next week and he even said um in an interview recently uh or on v live or whatever but that you know he's he's not a songwriter yeah and, and the and, from bts fans for authenticity i think is that's because they don't understand what the idol like what idols are actually supposed yeah. to be. Yeah. And it's, and, and this is something that, you know, I've tried to hammer home to people is that like, I mean, as someone who did have a toe or two in the music industry, like authentic is just a, a selling point. It's not like, there's no such thing as authentic, like authentic. If you want to be authentic, you're a sound you're I mean you're basically you're a sound called rapper like with 20 listens on your thing because as soon as you you try to play to an audience that's it you're not authentic to yourself anymore to to be in show business to please an audience is to be inauthentic there's just no there's no squaring that circle you're either a hobbyist doing it to please yourself or if you're a professional you're I mean there's there's a layer of artifice because you know you're always thinking of the the crowd in the back of your mind and the difference with an idol is that like that that is in the forefront Mm. that's not it's not hidden it's not well for most groups it's not hidden um pleasing the audience is number one and anything else is just it's it's just secondary Mm yeah and so you you have like um like a taylor swift right who's Mm -hmm. known for like oh i'm writing my own lyrics about my own heartbreak blah 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 
Straight from my diary. Straight from my diary. <laughs> and yet, like, if you look at her, her producers, I mean, it's all the same producers that work with, like, every, you know, female, um, quote, singer-songwriter, like, unquote, that it's like, yeah. I mean, she's molded and shaped and, and sculpted like any other pop singer is. And there's nothing wrong with that. But but to call it authentic because she's singing about her own life is is being a mark. Like, and I'm sorry, like, <laughs> like to think it's true and that she was writing about Taylor Lautner and Harry Styles. <laughs> and like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but you're a mark. And you don't want to be a mark. Um, you want to be a smart, be a smart mark, and and know see, what you're buying into. Know what you're buying into. Understand that there is a layer of artifice to everything, and appreciate it for what it is. Enjoy it for being real in the moment, and then go back to your your normal life, where you know you have a family and friends who love you, um, and. Uh, like that's I don't know how to say it like more plainly than that. The don't call me idol, don't call me artist. Just yeah, just enjoy it. Just enjoy it, and don't shit on other people for enjoying different things. Yeah, yeah, and and also especially like for Westerners, um, understand that to consume Asian product is is you're not the target audience. Um, and if you, or in the case of like Korean export pop, especially targeted at America, you are the target audience and, and mm -hmm. Asia is not, um, because it, yeah, you're, you're participating in part of a global culture that, that is very different from what you may expect. And you can't draw like these big generalizations about it. And like, I'm sorry to say, but like. Some of the these like new armies, these Western armies that have come in, sort of post twenty nineteen, even twenty twenty. Oh, us being later and later. <laughs> like I thought us being like late twenty seventeen was like, oh, what if people call us out like fake armies? No, no, we are we are edging into veteran territory now. <laughs> like if you're if you're a twenty twenty army, like I'm sorry, but you know you don't like you don't get to 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 like draw these like lines and distinctions especially if you've never like you don't understand what what k-pop is um or what or what I idols what are. idols yeah. are or what korea's place in kind of asian like the asian cultural context is like it's yeah it uh I and and it's just it's so disheartening and especially seeing like these blue check armies run wild with these these things that they get like you know basically accepted as truth that are are just utter utter fantasy and yeah I I, I don't know like it's just it's just wild to me and it's it's like the equivalent of of somebody seeing like you know Hulk Hogan take on Andre the Giant and <laughs> <laughs> like and like try to like award like you know actual like wrestling points like it, it was an Olympic wrestling match like to me like that that is what I see and it's it's crazy it is absolutely crazy like I 
I hate to keep bringing this up, but BTS are acting like idols. They may yeah. do artistry things on the side, but like in my notes, I have, you know, the thing that Jin said where his friends have, you yeah. know, drifted away. And now all that's left for him basically is ARMY and he wants to make ARMY happy. And that's an idle thing to do. That's an idle thing to say. Well, I, I highlighted that too in my notes, but I also wrote, is he serious? Question mark. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, if he is, that's very depressing, if but he... I can also see him being like, you know, this is, I'm an idol and this is what I'm supposed to say. This is what say. idols want to say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that to, that line stood out to me too. I remember that. I feel like idols, if you understand their art, much like professional wrestling, um, can be very valuable and like very like productive entertainment. Um, yeah, being an, an emotional like yes. positive energy in someone's yeah. life. Oh, do you remember Matsujun's drama? Um, ninety nine was it ninety nine? Uh, the uh, lawyer one? The yeah. lawyer one, yeah. And uh, where his coworker was like the wrestling fan. Oh, I didn't. I didn't get to watch all oh, of you it. Didn't so. watch it? <laughs> I, okay. I didn't get to watch it. I got like maybe half of one episode down. Oh, uh, it was really good. Um, so, well, because it actually also starred um, one of the tigers. <laughs> it's like oh, the really? boss. Yes, one of the tigers was the boss of like the office. Uh... Talk about like an idle office. But um, so his coworker, like his, uh, like a female lawyer in his office, um, is a wrestling fan. And I remember when that came out was um, one of my Arashi friends was like, oh my god this is like the best depiction of an adult fangirl i have seen ever <laughs> and it was really true um where like that that co-worker was a lot like us you know in that um she would go to these professional wrestling shows and like she had her like uchiwa and like her goods and like she went to like a meet and greet like they showed her like giggling like when her like favorite wrestler <laughs> like tried to talk to her and like gave her like you know a handshake or whatever um but she was like a competent person like it wasn't her whole life um she was just like a fangirl and um yeah like that really stuck out to me is like you know especially the fact that it was in like a matsujun drama and not like Matsujin drama like 15 years ago when he was a nobody like he obviously had some Height of say. career yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah he 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 would have had like veto power on that character you know um and just the fact that I was like okay like Matsujin like he understands me <laughs> like he understands the kind of mature fangirls who like this is our hobby we're you know we're essentially just like sports fans or any other kind of fans like but this is just we just like idols like that's what we do yeah and in japan especially with arashi getting older yeah they're like with the whole pandemic thing they've released a bunch of like things aimed at kids yeah. because they know their fan base are similar age if not older have you know grown with them and probably have kids of their own and yeah. they become also national idols so that you know young kids will have seen them on tv since you know forever basically yeah their and whole so, lives essentially yeah oh that's all like the the um 24-hour television stuff and mm -hmm. um you know when they would send the members like around like the countryside 
uh, to just like interact with normal people. And, um, yeah, it was always like, for like, I always loved when like the grand, the grannies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the one with Ono where they're like, Hey, look like the guy on TV. And he's like, Oh, do I? I, I get told that so much. <laughs> I feel like Iba is always really good at that stuff too. Oh, and even in it's episode seven too, where he's like, yeah, that, like the kids are just like playing in the field, and he's like, oh, haha, they're like staring at us, and they like the, like these boys are probably like thirteen, fourteen, like run by, and then like it cuts and you see like Iba just like chatting with like a kid, and the kids just like yeah, just like answering him, <laughs> like, <laughs> just like nothing is you know out of the ordinary. But he's probably going to go back and be like, guess what? I talked to Harshi's Iba. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to miss them. So much. Yeah. And it's like that. This I can't describe it. This place that Harshi holds in society where, oh, what is it? Like a national sweetheart. There we go. Like yeah, yeah. Japan's sweetheart, you know, there. You know, everyone knows them. Everyone knows that the good image they hold, the kind of people they are. And they're just like, um, I guess like maybe Princess Diana might be too much. But like, you know. This- Honestly, I don't think it is. I mean. Right. You know, SMAP, SMAP was there. SMAP yeah. was definitely there too. Um, but yeah, Arashi's just got that like, because I was trying to explain in in other episodes but like there's not one person in japan who does not know the song one love or love so sweet or love so sweet you know like sing those lines and every single japanese person you meet will be able to finish yeah it's like that's that is it's like michael jackson you know or or queen like if you go yep we will, we will, and then someone will be like, "Rock you, yeah, yeah." And yeah. you, you could never have heard that song before in your life, but you just know it because that's yeah. the level of like cultural penetration that that they have. Like they're just, they're part of Japanese culture at this point. And that's why it frustrates me to see BTS be so close to that, and yet, like it was, it's that position's there for them, but they're not stepping up to it. So I guess in that sense. They're being artists instead of idols. I don't, I don't know. No, no. <laughs> uh, they're being a boy band. And yeah, they, they become a boy band. They become a boy yeah. band, and this is something that I've been hammering on for two and a half years, like literally two and a half years. Um, and has gotten many people mad at me, but it's true. And going to Korea, like, um, really, like clarified for me a lot that you know for better or for worse like a group like big bang really were like you say fantastic baby you say bang 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 basically every korean person is gonna know what you're talking about but what are you what are you gonna say like oh my 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 i mean maybe if they've got kids (laughs) they'll know what that is but But, you know that whole lisa frank thing lisa frank thing don't yeah <laughs> I'm just gonna get like so there's uh, like children content that Archie makes for you know busy parents and they you know yeah. the wash your hand nursery rhyme for when you're washing your hands yeah or reading the, the, reading the children's books 
Yeah, and then there's Lisa Frank. God, and that and the thing is, is like Lisa Frank isn't even a kids thing for kids today. It's a yeah. nostalgia brand for women my age. Um, that's what it is. Like that's who's buying Lisa Frank stuff is like women my age, who for whatever reason are just very nostalgic about being like twelve or eight. Um, and just like they love skateboarding unicorns. I don't know. Uh, like <laughs> whatever they've got no taste and and that Lisa Frank cover was just so indicative of like everything where the group was where the group was heading where the group was was heading and you know they really did have that chance to become to like grasp the they the... could have been global idols they could have yeah. like clearly yeah they were Stop war! Well, I don't know. Yeah, well, do you... like our, what what army wanted? No. You know, revolutionary stop war. President Namjoon, you know. Well, it's like um, you've seen Bill and Ted's um, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, the movie. Mm-hmm. And um, so like you know, Bill and Ted are in that group Wild Stallions, that like unites the whole world and um, like sort of solves every problem. And I'm like, BTS could have been wild stallions but instead <laughs> through like laziness lack of market research um greed lack of leadership um they ended up being one direction part two yeah and okay. that's that's to me like that's the tragedy of bts is that that they really did have a chance um to do something great I want to hear Boys With Fun. Oh, Boys With Fun is such a good one. Oh, it's so good. So good. So good, so good. Would this be a good spot to put in? Uh, Maybe put a bow on this conversation and uh, pick it up again at another later point in time for... Maybe after the next 10 episodes. (laughs) Maybe we'll check in. And then when the movie, the eventual movie... (laughs) Theatrical release comes out. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Let's